Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast Anniversary Series. Guys, we're having the best time bringing back all of your favorite guests. And today, I have for you the one, the only, Tyson Franklin. Tyson, welcome back to the show. Esty, it is good to be here. And I reckon when you get the added to uh, your introduction, it must be good. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And it's good to make the cut for the... um, for your anniversary show, which I think is a brilliant idea. I wrote down that I'm going to do the same thing myself. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I really wanted to do something to celebrate and just power pack value in for everybody. So guys, we last met Tyson way back in episode 29. We had so much to talk about. We never even got to his struggle. He has so much value, so much experience, and I just wanted to bring him back. So Tyson, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about uh, niching down or niching down. In Dep- whatever depends it is where you're from. Is. Depends where you're from, because because that saying "there's riches and niches" sounds so much better than "there's riches in niches." Doesn't sound it's the same. True, and riches and niches makes no sense at all. No, so I, I think we should talk about the power of niching down, Love Di- it. Get, getting right down into the lowest common denominator of what works best. And and I've learned this um, myself numerous ways. So in, in my own business, when I had my podiatry business, I really t- I had an ideal client that I, that I wanted that was, yeah, I gave him a name, it was Barney, he was 42, and I had this description of what he looked like. The name sometimes changed. <laughs> sometimes I called him Dino, but, um, <laughs> but I knew exactly who he was. And he was like, well, this is only because you're down under. Like in America, nobody's, nobody's looking for Dino, I feel like. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dino was a patient. So I remember when he came in and I went, he's just, if I could have a day full of Dinos, I would, I would come to work with a smile on my face and leave with a smile on my face. It was just that type of patient or client, whatever they want, we want to call them. But he was, um, he, he was just perfect. When I asked him to do something, he did it. So what I did, I, I realized over a number of years without knowing what niching down really was, I was sort of really targeting the type of patient that I wanted and all my advertising and all my marketing was really pushed in towards that person. And what does that mean? Can you help us understand what that means? I think a lot of people hear this, right? It says like, you know, market. And I I say this until I'm blue in the face, you know, get your target market, name your avatar, just like you said, I like to use alliteration. So, you know, um, We'll, we'll use like a, let's say a Craig CEO, you know, and like kind of um, play around with it like that. And then you tell people now market to your target. And they're like, okay, how, what does that even mean? So when you're saying you're marketing to them, what did that mean for you? What were the, what are the details in that? It was if, if you sat down and worked out, if you could see a particular patient, client or customer day in, day out from 8.30 to 5.30, who would that person be? You sit down and you write down and you describe them. Describe in detail. Like, yeah, some people go, oh, yeah, males or females between the age of 35 and 55. And I did a marketing talk recently and I showed two photos of a, of a guy who was about 35 lying on a lounge 
eating a bucket of ice cream. With his <laughs> big fat belly and hairy beard <laughs> and, and all that. And then I had this really fit looking woman who was about, uh, yeah, 38, 40, really trim, eating an apple on this nice white lounge. The other guy was sitting on this grungy lounge, had a dirty pair of underpants, something hanging over the back. <laughs> and I said, so you're telling me that your target market is men or women between the ages of 30. <laughs> Here's a picture of two completely different people. Are both of these your target market? They went, well, well, no, of course. Well, he's not. And I go, well, okay, we'll, we'll rule him out. So as you go through it and you go, bring the age down, bring it down to think of one particular age that would be ideal. And is it a male or a female? And what sort of income are they making? What type of car are they driving? What type of, uh, you know, what, what sort of occupation are they doing? Do they have children? Don't they have children? Because a 35-year-old a woman with children and a 35-year-old woman with two children, one who's married, one who's not married, their, their lifestyle is completely different. Where they go, what they do, the, the social activities they do, the clubs they're involved in are completely different. So the idea is to really get a clear image of that person in your head and then it's target all your marketing towards that person and some people get all panicky and they think oh if i do that i'll miss out on everybody else and what they don't realize is if you if you had a dartboard for example and that ideal person was right in the bullseye and if i was holding a dartboard and i said esty here's 10 darts throw it at your ideal patient one i'd be scared to death because i don't know if you can play darts or not and i'm <laughs> expecting i'm going to cop the occasional one in my fingers but if you, th if you were, at least if you're aiming for the bullseye, aiming for that ideal patient, you may not hit it once, but you're going to get really close more often than if you just closed your eyes, spun around and just threw the darts all over the place. In fact, you'd have everyone in your, um, in your office ducking and weaving. <laughs> and that's, that's what people tend to do with their marketing is they get there and they just throw in darts everywhere like a lunatic. Love and it. Not really. Hang on. There's a dartboard, aim for the bullseye. And you know what? Sometimes you might throw 10 darts and three out of 10 times, you are going to hit the bullseye. You're going to fluke it. And you're going to get, and the more you do it, like a professional darts player, if you got a professional darts player and said, here's 10 darts, aim for the bullseye, I'll guarantee probably five out of the 10 will hit the bullseye and the other five are not going to be too far away from it because it's practice of doing it. So the more often you target towards your ideal patient, client, or customer, long-term, you start getting more of them. Now, that's sort of looking at your ideal customer. Niching down, though, is really finding it. Even when you find that ideal person, can you niche down a little bit further? So, for example, somebody might say, I want to have a sports clinic. So a sports clinic and your target market might be a 35-year-old a, yeah, female athlete and yeah, who has a certain amount of income, drives a certain car, might be married, might have one child, and you're thinking sports. So that's a certain niche within a bigger area. But then all of a sudden you went, what about if I targeted triathletes? That's niching down. And, now, and to go even further, you're now targeting female triathletes. Now, if you become renowned for targeting female triathletes, I'll tell you right now, male triathletes will hear about the good work you're doing and we'll go, I want to come and see you as well. Now, that's not who you are targeting. But word of mouth gets around. They're just outside the bullseye. But then other athletes will hear, well, actually, this guy works with triathletes. I cycle. I don't swim. I don't run. 
but I cycle. Well, if you can help them, that means you can help me. So all of a sudden you start getting these other people coming into your business, even though that wasn't the exact target you're going, there wasn't the niche that you went down for, but by niching right down, it saves you money in your marketing, but you end up attracting all these people as word of mouth starts to grow and you start doing a good job. So that's, that's what I meant by niching down, but it, it applies to, but Everything talk about, one second, go back, talk about what it means to market to that audience, right? So they, let's say they define it. Let's say they get it like super down to the lady eating the apple or the guy on the chair in his underwear, whoever, whoever <laughs> yeah. they choose. The guy in the chair in the underwear might be the ideal person. He might be, listed if you're selling a bunch of chips and Cheetos, um, they're great. <laughs> chicken salt. Exactly. Video games, you know, like you got, you got a whole lot of stuff you can sell to that guy. Pizza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say not only food, you know, um, uh, custom. But it could be it could, be it could be gym membership. Could be anything. Like, like this guy, all of a sudden, might be at a certain point in his life that if you there'd be a certain group of people that look just like him who have just gone, you know what? I've had enough. I need to make a change, or I'm going to be dead before I'm fifty. And that could be the person that you're actually targeting. So just because they look a certain way doesn't mean depending on what your business is, will determine who that person is. For sure. And one person's ideal client is someone else's nightmare clients. I say that all the time, but yeah. how do you market to them? I mean, like I always say, you know, there's the language, there's the mediums. Like, how would you say, once you know who this person is, what does it mean to market to that person? To me, it's, you got to talk in their language and you got to talk where those people are going to be hanging out. Okay. So that's so, two pieces. That's the medium. Right, so you want to reach them where they're at through the mediums that they're accessing, whether it's flyers on the wall of the place that they hang out, or being in the magazines that they read, or whatever. And then talk yeah. in their language means that the copywriting has to speak to them. Yeah. So, but it, it's one of those things that it's it's a lot of trial. Like I find it's a lot of trial and error. You've got to try different things, tweak it a little bit, see what results you get. Keep testing and measuring everything that you want to do. And, and really look at the results and don't make too many changes. That's the problem where a lot of people go, oh, this ad isn't working. So what we're going to do is change the picture, change the headline, change the text and the copy. Uh, we're going to change where we put our logo. We're going to move this here. And all of a sudden it works. But was it the 15, which 15 changes was it that worked? It could have been just one of those changes. It could have just been the headline. Right. And you won't even know. That's why Facebook ads are so much fun. And that's why the way you deploy Facebook ads is you do about 20 some people do 200 variations, depends how big you are, but yeah. you do anywhere between five and 20 variations on your launch, all right? So you use different five different creatives, three to five, use three to five different headlines, three to five different subtexts, and based on that, you can start seeing, and you can also do anywhere between, you know, one and five different audiences, and then you see which one takes off. So that's what's so amazing about online marketing is that you can do those tweaks in real time, right? Yeah, so you, you do it deploy, really fast. You do it really fast and you can pivot really fast, but the way you usually deploy these campaigns is exactly that, right? So there's really those three elements. There's the imagery as well, which you just said, right? So you've got the language, the imagery, and the mediums. Yeah. Um, so Facebook ads, you got to make sure the audience is there, obviously, but then you're tweaking the language and the imagery. And again, you might, the medium's not changing, but the audience will change, right? So you give Facebook a couple different audience samples and you just kind of let it roll. Which one's going to stick? Instead of, yeah. you know, classical advertising, if it doesn't stick, I go back and try again, try it again, go back, try again. This is why. That's, that's a hard part about old school advertising. You put an, an ad in the paper or an ad in a magazine that comes out once a month and it doesn't work. 
You've got to wait a whole month. To and then if you, make, if you make one change, you know, another whole month to find out whether whether it worked or not. So yeah, that that can be that that's the advantage of online marketing and technology today. But I think when someone's first starting the business, I think initially it's really hard to start a business super niche down right from the beginning. To me, it's something where you've got to have a, an an idea. So if I go back to the analogy I was using, you might say I want a sports clinic. So you're going to be targeting sports in general. But as the patients are coming in, you start realizing who you like, what you like to work with, where your skills lie, what sports do you do yourself? So if you're right into football and you're a football player, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the sport you're going to follow. If when you say football, every- you mean the thing where people kick a ball that's wide and black across a field, don't you? No, that's soccer. Um, or they, don't, people or we call call it- don't people call it football outside of America? <laughs> No, we we class football. Oh, football over here can be soccer, uh, Aussie rules, rugby union, or rugby league. Okay, that was a whole bunch of things I didn't recognize. Never mind. Okay, so you mean what I think of as football, <laughs> which is like an oblong ball with two pointy ends and people that jump on each other and try to kill each other to get it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what okay. I grew up playing. Okay. Okay. So so I grew up playing that, and and my face is relatively unscathed. <laughs> and, how about how about your concussion history? How's yeah, that? not good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that. Uh, I did get knocked out a few times, um, but it just adds to the stories and adds to the story of your career. But just because I liked playing football, regardless of the code, doesn't mean there's any money in it as a business. So if I think of all the all the sports people that used to come into my business, football players were the least profitable uh, patients. Why? Uh, because over here. Yeah, so say like I know how American football works. You'll play at a high school and then you hopefully play it in college. And if you're good enough, you'll go and and have a professional career. But usually most people, if they play it in college or play it in high school, if they don't go to college or they don't play it, that's it, their football career is over. They don't tend to go, they don't tend to keep playing. Over here, you can play at a high school. And I stopped playing when I was 32. So that's a lot later. Yeah, you can just keep you can just keep playing for it. And I only stopped because I was getting married, and my wife said she didn't want me uh, limping down the aisle. <laughs> so it was, it was an ultimatum. I snuck in a Smart few wife. games, but she didn't know about that. Um, <laughs> we won't let her listen to the episode. So wait, so why is there no money in it? Because a lot of people that play rugby league and play rugby union, they just got yeah average jobs. They they don't have a lot of yeah they're not. The, if you're looking at your ideal patient, they're not one that has a lot of disposable income. I hear. They're just like regular guys who that's yeah, so Yeah, so there might be, but there might be a particular business where they are the ideal person, like a pub for, a, yeah, like a, 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 you know what a pub is? Yes, I know um, what a pub is. A bar. We a call bar. it a bar. Yes, we, a, a where bar. I usually call it a bar. <laughs> yeah, so they might be the ideal person for a, a bar or a pub. But for a podiatry clinic, it was never really, they were not the best patients because they just didn't have the, the same disposable income. But people that are into triathlons, they're nuts. One, for doing triathlons because it's a crazy sport. <laughs> but they will spend what they need to spend to improve their times. And they're doing three sports. They buy, they constantly buy new bikes. They get new shoes. They get helmets. They, they want to keep improving. And a lot of, a lot of the triathletes I know usually have a fair bit of disposable income and they're prepared to spend it on their health. And that's just what I noticed over a period of time building a sports clinic. Got it. 
That makes so much sense. So I think that's an amazing tip when you're niching down in some ways you, you start with the audience. Yeah, well, you've got to start with a, you, you, you might have a broad profession and then you can niche that down slightly to a particular aspect of it. But then over time, you will start working out who are the winners, and, you know, which sports are better than others. Basketball was also a really good sport. Basketball doesn't have a lot of investment, though. They need a ball and shoes and a hoop. But for podiatry, they need shoes and they need the feet to be comfortable because they really depend on their feet. Plus, where, where I lived in Cairns, we had a, a team, in it. we have a team in the national competition. So therefore, there's a lot of kids that play at a local level who are aspiring to one day play in the, in the team that plays in the national comp. So those sort of things can have a big impact on gotcha. uh, who, who you end up targeting towards. So would you say that? So here's what I'm hearing, and I, and I like this a lot, right? When you start out, you are just kind of doing all the stuff you're good at, right? And then I hold to this so much and I, and I teach it also. And I think I, I lived it also. Like when I started, I was doing resumes for people. I'm a very expensive resume writer now. Like I did a resume <laughs> recently for someone, it cost him two and a half thousand dollars, but it was worth it because he like tripled his income from it because he had a personal branding issue. So that's why I took it. All right. Okay. So I do, I don't, no one comes to me now if they need a resume, that would be silly. Right. But if you have a personal branding issue that also reflects on your resume and how you're going to go and get your job or get hired and you get clients, that's something I can deal with. Um, but in the beginning, totally did resumes until it didn't make sense anymore. Right. So you, you go out there in the beginning, you do all the kind of stuff you're good at. That's for your audience. Uh, like for me, I'm helping business owners. So sometimes business owner needs a job. So sometimes what they need is a resume in addition to a marketing strategy. That's just what they need. Um, and then you start to kind of focus in. And uh, it sounds like the best way to start to focus is. Uh, to find, it's kind of like a double, there's like two weights in here that I'm hearing. One is the people who you serve best, who you can be of the most help to, and two, the people who are your best patients from a, I don't wanna say just financial perspective, but also need, like they value you the most, right? Yeah, like, and I think it's also, value you. yeah, I think the other part that's important is you don't, when you're first starting out in your career or whatever business you're starting, I don't think you really know what it is that you actually really like until you start. So someone who's starting as a podiatrist, they might do everything to begin with, or they might know right from the start when they're at university. You know, like I knew right from the start, never bring an ulcer into my clinic. Do not put an ulcer in front of me because I'll ulcer? dry root. Like stomach issue? No, like on their foot, like a big sore, a big open Oh, wall. okay. Oh, yeah. With pus and yeah, okay, I can't. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, I just, even when I was at uni, they would show me one, I'd go, <laughs> I just, I couldn't handle it. So I knew right from the start, that was something I didn't like. So I, I never promoted it. Mm -hmm. And if somebody rang up and said, oh, I've got an ulcer on my foot, we go, oh, we'll tell you somewhere that you can go. So, but I think it's not until you're in your business, you're seeing patients, you're seeing different types of people, you're getting feedback, you work out what you're good at and what you like. And, and when you put those two things together, then you can start niching down a lot easier to the type of person that you want to see. Totally. Totally makes sense. And then what do you do about your other people? Because I think, you know, this makes so much sense. And again, like you've covered the objections with the target marketing. And I love that example because I use it also. So I feel like we're just, you know, kind of pulling from the same wisdom intent. <laughs> Singing um, from the same hymn sheet. <laughs> <laughs> 
totally. So they'll still get the people, and I get this all the time, but SD, if I focus, like, well, I still get to do all my other stuff. Like, yeah, you'll still do other stuff. Well, I still have to work with different people. You'll still work with different people. But what do they do about all their current business? And I think that's a struggle people have a lot. Like, how do they, how do they go from where they are to where they want to be? Okay, well, in my particular business, when I first started it, we saw everybody. If you breathed and had feet, we would see you. That was how it was. <laughs> unless, you had, unless you had an ulcer, then we didn't. Well, I didn't. So, how would anyone know when they should come to you? See, that's such a big problem. And I think it's true. In the beginning, people start, they don't know what they like. I also think they don't really know what they're doing. You know, so they just kind of go out there and like poke everything and see what works. Yeah, so when I started the podiatry clinic, it was like I started a podiatry clinic. It just started and people came in everything from an ingrown toenail to warts to needing hard skin cut off to needing a pair of inserts for the shoes a pair of orthotics to oh my gosh, I'm sports never doing people medical ever 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 yeah so you get and then you get sports people and as time went on all of a sudden you'd start realizing what you liked and what you were better at and so you just start because you focus, you start focusing your marketing towards a certain area, you start getting more of what you like and you're getting less of what you don't like because the other guy down the street is saying, hey, we'll see anybody that breathes and who's got two feet and ulcers. <laughs> so as the time goes on further and further, you go another couple of years down the track and all I'm doing is focusing on one particular area, then I'm getting more and more of those people coming in. Then I start getting a reputation that they're the sort of people that we treat better than anybody else. The business starts building up a reputation. All those other people who are just breathing and got two feet, they're going to the other guys who are just saying, hey, we'll see anybody. But the people who have got a specific problem would say, no, we want to see this clinic because we know this is what they actually do. So it's to me, it's that you can't, if you've got an existing business, you cannot make a change overnight. You can, but it's- We call it a rebrand. You know, yeah, like you, you can rebrand. You could quite easily say to your patients, hey, we're not doing that type of work anymore. And I didn't have the heart to say it because I had a lot of patients that I was doing just general podiatry work on that I really liked. So I just limited the amount of time that I was doing it. And I say, hey, if you don't rebook another appointment like in two or three months time and you just ring up to try and get an appointment, you won't get one because I'm, I'm now only doing that part of podiatry for like half a day a week. The rest of the week, I'm doing the stuff that I really want to do. So eventually, some of those people went, well, I don't want to see you on a Friday. I want to see someone on a Monday. I go, well, we don't do that on a Monday. So yeah, if they so really wanted to see us, phasing them out. they would change or they would go and see the guy down the road who would see anyone that just breathes who's got two feet. And But your business also has got to, re I think a really important part, your business has got to reflect the type of work that you want to do. So we were a high-end clinic. We had nice furniture. We had up-to-date magazines. We, our clinic smelt nice. It, everything about it when you walked in was like, wow, this is a really nice clinic without being over the top ridiculous. You know, we didn't have gold chandeliers. <laughs> um, so to me, if, if, that's the other important part. I know people that say, oh, well, I want to attract this type of person. And I'd walk in their business and go, I wouldn't come in here. We'd probably catch something. <laughs> it's, you know, they've got magazines that have been there for four and a half years are all dog-eared and I'm sure if you swabbed them and uh, uh, yeah so your business has got to reflect the type of person or the type of clientele you want to bring in as well and that's something that adapts and changes at the same time at the same time you're figuring out who it is that you want to see see in your business then your business slowly adapts to that type of thing and the people there'll be certain people that walk in your clinic as soon as they're walking they go oh, I'm coming here it's too expensive and they'll leave 
and right. they'll go down the road and see the other guy with the beige walls and the and the dirty magazines, and they're they're fine to see them because they're charging a lot less, um, which was fine with us. You can't you can't see everybody and you can't make everybody happy. Right, and you can't. Be but as soon as you figure that out, you, you actually get happier yourself. That's such a good line. So you're saying just take it slow. Just start to shift your marketing. Start to focus on the people that you want. You don't have to go. I think a lot of people think, and I, I don't. I know this because a lot of them come to me like, okay, we need a rebrand, right? We're we're gonna focus on this thing now. You need to do a whole overhaul, and it's like, why don't you first test it and see if it even works, right? Why don't you just try to head yeah. only in that direction before you do this? whole, you know, sometimes 5,000, 10,000, sometimes I've seen people do $30,000 overhauls that didn't work afterwards. <laughs> it's an expensive mistake. Big expensive mistake. So just kind of refocusing. I like that. And then what? Meaning like, does it get boring? I think that's so many, because as an entrepreneur, I know for myself and I know for a lot of my clients, you know, some of the, the most fun I have, like whenever I think about niching down personally, and, and we are looking at niching down, uh, it like hurts me to even say it because every time I say it, I like cringe, but we are yeah. looking at niching more into uh, maybe marketing, maybe, because um, <laughs> it is my strongest suite and it is what I talk about the most and is where I have the most, u- most unique um, contribution, if you will. You know, the systems we've created for marketing, no one else has. No one else has done this. No one has it as cheap and as simple as we've built it. Um, but every time I think about it, I'm like, oh. But today I just did a financial analysis that was amazing. I just analyzed, you know, a multi-million dollar business in the span of half an hour and broke it down into its tiniest moving parts. I don't want to stop doing that. And I think a yeah, lot of people hear me like it hurts. You're like, but I don't want to stop doing that. And I don't want to stop doing that. And I don't want to not tell people that I do that. But I have to if I want to get known for X. I, I think I believe you can have more than one niche. Ooh, now we're getting cool. Okay, talk to me. So you can have more than one niche. So you might niche down to a particular area and really smash that in your marketing and everything you do and and, and be renowned for that. But it doesn't say that you can't take a little shift and then start niching into another area as well. You just got to do one at a time. That's kind of where I landed out. I got to do one at a time. I got to start in one and then I can add a layer for the next one. Yeah, so I, I said to somebody that you might... Say in podiatry, you might have a niche where it could be, you know, sports people might be triathletes. And then you might have another niche where you're just talking about uh, orthotics, you know, shoe inserts. Or you might have another niche where you're just talking about treating fungal toenails. I know, I know. Guys, you can't see me. I'm like the entire time my face is like screwed up into like, like, (laughs) ugh. It's just all this is so. Uh, Yeah, but there's there's a lot of of money in fungal toenails. I believe it. I do believe it. Or you might want to go, I just want to do nut, yeah, add nail surgery into a thing and really focus on that for a little bit. So, about broken toes? I can handle broken toes without cringing. No, no, it's boring. Um, Okay. But. And, and how I explained it when I did this marketing talk a few weeks back, I said, if you've got the dartboard there and the, the bullseye may be your target market. Now, you can have more than one target market that you want to aim towards. But if you, if I got the dartboard and kept swinging and put it on a pendulum and kept swinging it from side to side, I said, now try and hit your target. It would be almost impossible. Unless you're a really good dart player, you're going to find it really hard to keep to actually hit it. So what you got to do is stop the the dartboard at a certain point, hit that target, then move it up further, hit that target, then move it back up the other thing, keep it stationary, hit that target. So you can have a couple of different niches, but just 
you've got to give it a certain amount of time. You've got to focus in one particular area for a period of time. So we used to actually change our message about every six weeks. Six weeks. How is that? I'm thinking like you got to go for at least six months, two years, like six weeks is enough time to hit one audience and shift audiences. That seems very short. Yeah. Well, that's just how we did it. Well, even though we, we, we would change the message slightly. So say for example, from the beginning of January through to about midway through February, we always did a campaign that was uh, the party's over and it's time to exercise. And we had yeah, a picture of a foot with a big sad face on it. And, and anyway, we're through the certain spiel. We have the same message online, on our website, in the media, uh, on the radio, television. We just we had it everywhere. Now, what we were targeting there was people who were making those New Year's resolutions, who wanted to get back into exercise, wanted to start getting fit again. So we every year, same time, that was their message. And we got truckloads of people came in who were your weekend warriors who wanted to get back into it. They were middle-aged men who couldn't keep up with the kids anymore. So, and then we would, and then we knew at a certain time, okay, it's triathlon season in Cairns. So we'd change our message and we'd start really targeting them for a period of time. So, and then when it got to summer, we knew fungal nails were going to be huge. Why? Because so, it's pools. Uh, no, just because people, well, where I live in the tropics, so okay. it, it's warm, but we only have two seasons, hot and not so hot. And, <laughs> and for you, summer is December? Uh, yeah, December, January, February is summer. Got it. Okay. That, we're, that, we're, I don't know that I could like, ever get used to that. That's so confusing yeah. for me. We're now in autumn in March and what's the temperature today? 90 degrees or something? Oh, Wow. Oh, that's really hot. Yeah. So middle of winter, our, day, our average days, middle of winter will be you know, between around 75 to 80. Oh my gosh. That, that's really hot. Okay. I hear it. Tropical. Got it. So yeah, tropical. So sort of like Hawaii, but warmer. And <laughs> but I think somebody equates probably close to like Florida sort of okay. weather. So Florida's around, not around that warm, months. even in the winter. Like, yeah, I've but around... Because of the summer months, we knew fungal nails were going to be a problem, so we would start targeting towards that. So we, we did have uh, different types of niches that we drove into over a period of time. So, oh. but you, you can have, like I know businesses that just pick one area, and that's all they do. They just do one thing day in day out. That's that's all they do, and they are very successful businesses. Right now, I like that idea also. Meaning, you don't have to commit for life. You don't even have to commit for six months. Like commit for six weeks, commit for two months, three months. Minimum six weeks. Yeah. Minimum Min six weeks. Minimum six weeks. Ne yeah, never try and change your message, I think, under six weeks because it just takes a while for people to get that traction of that same message coming out. So even though I said we would change it to six weeks, it'd be like a minimum. Sometimes we'd let it go 10 weeks. There, there was, yeah, certain things we might, if it was working really well, like when we started, when we introduced a laser to do fungal nails, to tree fungal, we did that for about three months, just absolutely cranked it out there, and oh, it was it was amazing. The, I bet. The, the money they brought in. So, how does somebody know? And and with this, we'll kind of um, wrap up. How does someone know when it's time for them to niche? Because we said you don't start super niche, 
right? But it's definitely where you want to go if you want to scale. And this, this I've seen again and again, right? You, you can't scale doing everything. You can only scale if you niche or if you, if you focus on something. How yeah. does someone know when it's time? When they're bored. But I think when, the, when they look at when you're doing everything, you're having fun, you're doing different stuff. I'm not okay. Now I'm a little bored. Um, that to me, you, to me, you, you know, when it's time to niche, when you're sort of going, oh, I just want to get you want to get known for something. Like if if you're finding it hard to compete against the guy down the road or the girl down the road, it's because you're all the same. So therefore, you've got to pick something that you really like doing, and you want to be better than everybody else, and that's and that's how you make your business stand out from everybody else is by picking something, and, and then and then telling everybody that that's we're better than anybody else at that particular thing, and that that's when you know to me that's when you know when it's time to find a niche. Well, actually, every business should find a niche. It's just something you should be aiming towards. You're just going to find what it is. Right. So it, it sounds like it's really from an internal frustration. There's no time demarcation. There's no like, well, if you're in business for six months, two years, five years, 15 years, like there's no amount of time. There's just this internal clock that kind of like ticking until it goes, ding, I'm ready. I'm ready for next. I'm ready to stand out, be known for something. Yeah. But I think it's also when, when you start realizing, wow, whenever I do any marketing, I look exactly the same as a person down the road. Mm, so when you want to differentiate. And if and thing is, if you're really happy doing that, and you're making the income that you want, and you're happy going to work every day, and you're exactly the same as the ten other businesses in your town, then just keep doing what you're doing. You don't you don't need to change anything. But if you're like, no, I don't feel like I, that lasts today anymore. I don't think there's such a thing. You know, where we sit in 2019, I don't think anyone can get away with that. I don't think you can either, because if you're the same as the other ten in another five years, there's going to be another five or ten. That move into the area who well, are going five to be years five minutes yeah. for most people yeah. and they'll be exactly the same and they and every time a new competitor comes in who's exactly the same as you it erodes you know, your profits so therefore you have you need to find something like i said that you like doing and that you know that you're good at and it's going to be of interest that you want to if if for people person- who can pay and who yes, want to pay, pay and who value what you're doing. And that was, for me, that was one of my big lessons, you know, like, um, you know, the audience that I, I really would have loved to niche down on. It's not that they don't have money. It's that they don't value the service. Right. Um, and like, I, I, in theory, I really wanted to niche down on like the baby businesses, not people who have businesses for babies, but people whose businesses are babies. I thought that's what you said. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like that, you know, they're just, they're starting, they're dabbling, they're exploring. Like I want so badly to help them make it professional. But here's what I realized over the last 10 years of doing this. You can't ever want something for someone more than they want it for themselves. And yeah. for so many of those people, and, and I learned this enough times that it finally got into my head, they don't all want it. Badly enough. So I was like bending over backwards and turning myself into a pretzel and making my staff crazy, trying to figure out like the, the lowest cost way to service these people because they don't have money until I realized that they don't have money because they don't care about it. They can still buy $5,000 coats. And I'm like, okay, if you could buy a $5,000 coat, then guess what? I don't need to make myself crazy to make you a $500 website. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's just that you don't value this. And if you did, I could do it for you better. It won't be as cheap, right? And I, so I just focus on a different group. But like, like I must admit, like, like I do coaching, yeah, like in the health industry, in podiatrists and dentists. And, and, and I like the people that are, some of my favorite clients are the ones that are just starting out. But, but, but they're coming and they're paying. Yeah, That's they're paying. That's what I realized. Yeah. Trying to get my stuff cheap enough that everyone could afford it was one of the biggest mistakes that I made in the early days. Yeah. Because well, I, I had, trying I, I to get everyone can afford, I got a ton of people who didn't value it, who didn't care. Yeah. They were only doing it because it was cheap, you know, and upping the service and upping the rates commensurately, right? So offering more and adding more value into it, got a completely different clientele, people who really wanted to be successful instead of giving less to more people, giving more to less people. Yeah. And that's, that's, to me, that's what business is all about is that there are people there who do service those people that you know, don't want to spend too much money and just want the basic information. But most people I know who've got successful businesses understand you get what you pay for. Totally. And I'm still doing it. Like I'm in my head, like I just can't let it go. So I'm building a program now that's going to be just a couple hundred dollars that gives people like all the basics. Um, yeah. But but it's different because I, because uh, I'll tell you what I see. I see so many people trying to do things for like 20 bucks or $40, you know, and they're like $40 one-time fee, get all, and it's garbage, you know? And then people come to like, Oh, Oh, even your basic programs, like a few hundred dollars. Oh, that's a lot. I'm like, honey, you know what? In this case, you really get what you pay for. Cause you do my oh, yeah. program. You will have a business from it. And I can't get well, it cheaper uh, than yeah. that. Cause then you well, won't have anything. I had someone approach me and they say, oh, I hear that you teach people how to do podcasting. And I went, ah, yeah, it's not something I do all the time, but yes, I do. And they say, oh, what's it cost? And I said, well, they do such and such. Rah, rah. I, said, I said, well, before we even talk about it, I said, um, what budget have you set aside to purchase a microphone, equipment, and all that? And I said, because you need to invest in you. I said, even the basics, 200 bucks, just to get everything right. And they went, oh, no, I couldn't afford that. I went, oh, well, <laughs> So don't even think about having a podcast because if you're not prepared to spend $200 to get equipment that you'll have for years and then at least another $20 a month for hosting and a few other things, I said, you just, yeah, okay, it's. Yeah, if you're not willing but to that same invest, person, you're going to get out of it what you're willing to put into it. Yeah, but that same person will go and spend 100 bucks on a Friday night on a meal and drinks. And that, that's what I've seen. And, and I, and I love to least much people like people are so afraid, you know, when they focus in and they niche down and they charge appropriately for that, they're going to lose everybody. But the people you lose are just the people who didn't really value what you were providing. Yeah. And that's the other part with niching down is when you do niche down, you become known for one particular, yeah, for a few, it could be, you could be known for a couple of different things. Fungal nails, triathletes and new year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you can charge more because people know that. It, look at this way: if if I said, "Oh, I'm just going to set up a clinic that's just specialising in nail surgery," and this was some advice I gave to someone recently, I said, "Do you like doing nail surgery?" They said, "Yeah, I love it." And I said, "You could set up a clinic just doing nail surgery, and that's all you do, and that's all you re read research papers on, and that's the only thing you day, do day in day out." I said, "You could charge." so much more than the average podiatrist and people, other doctors, 
other health professionals will refer people to you because they know that's all you do. And you're doing 50 a week where some people are doing five a week. You are going to be better at it. Right. You become a super specialist. Yeah. You become a super specialist in that area and you enjoy doing it. I said, and you'll make good money and you're getting paid more than what anybody else is for doing it. I said, that's, I think, that's, I think that, that's, that's the perfect argument for niching down. Like that, that yeah. is what it is. You become the specialist, you become known, your rates match your skill level and your ability to serve. And you get those people who value that service. So and, everybody and other, wins. Yeah. And the other part that people forget, depending on what industry you're in, if you know something a little bit more than the average person in your industry, you'll be invited to speak on that particular subject. So all of a sudden it can turn into speaking gigs. Now, when you're doing those speaking gigs, you're then rubbing shoulders with other people who are specialists in that area. So you start to learn more. So not only do you know a little bit more about everybody else, then you're hanging around with people who do. So you get elevated with them because what I say, yeah, rising tide lifts all but all ships. So if you're in that in with those other people, you're going up with them. You get elevated with them and then you get paid more to speak. So it, just depends what sort of industry you're in on, on how you actually apply it. I love that. I love and that. It's fun. So to close this out, I still want to yes. ask you for a quote because quotes are still my favorite thing. Oh, a quote. Yeah, oh, I didn't ask me about the quote. Uh, I, I always have it's always a surprise. have I always just have this one quote that I always say that people with integrity expect to be believed, and if not, they let time prove them right. And you should just know it's the same one you gave me last time, and I love it, and I it know. was worth repeating. There's a quote on the back of my wall here. You can see that the, the next connection you make could be the one that changes your life. Okay, that's also a really good one, but I like your that's, other one even better. So that one's my quote. Okay. <laughs> that's why it's on my back wall, because I just know that the next connection you make could be the one that changes your life. Yeah, like how I met you. And this is the second time I've been in your podcast, but through you, I've met other people. I've introduced you to other people. Totally. Totally. And I've met some really amazing people through you, and, and that's so true. Amazing. Tyson, thank you so much for joining me. This has been fun. It's always fun chatting with you. We we could talk for hours. We could do a four-hour really show. We could do for it. Maybe we should do should do a marathon. Guys, you should let me know in the comments. We should do like marathon podcasts. <laughs> Some of our favorite guests. <laughs> yeah, be like uh, Tim Ferriss or Jocko Willink and uh, Joe Rogan. They go for like three hours. Oh my gosh, that's such a long time. All right, guys. So you are of course subscribed. Like of course. Like this is a given. Like don't even tell me that you're not. So if ah, if just in case, like shh, don't tell. But like make sure you hit that button obviously and leave me a review because we are on the review kick right now let me and itunes know how much you love this show and how much you love this anniversary series and tyson and all of his awesome wisdom and we will catch you again tomorrow with the next episode in our anniversary series tyson thanks bye talk to you later you've been listening to the business breakthrough podcast with sd rand if you're looking for a breakthrough in your business reach out at sdran.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?